Welcome to Trinity. We're a church family learning how to follow Jesus in the city of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. Good morning, church. We have two readings for this morning. Our first reading is from 1 John 4, chapter, verses 7 to 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And for our second reading, we have John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much. Brilliant. Good morning, everyone. Oh, oh gosh. Uh, hello, I'm Amy. For those that I haven't met before, Johnny and I uh, are married and lead the church together. Um, a huge welcome if you're visiting us um, or this is your first time. But, um, Shall we pray before we kick off? Our Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are in our midst and we are forever grateful for that. And I, I humbly pray, Lord, that you would give, anoint me even for this moment, that you would give me your words, 
I pray, Lord, uh, that you would open the hearts of us all in the room to receive from you. I pray that we'd receive from you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Um, as, a, as a family, so Johnny and I have uh, four children. We have, uh, it's uh, what, what we try and do um, once in a while. I say every week, but that isn't true because we don't get to do it every week. But we try really hard to sit down as a family um, and watch a movie together. And, uh, and so we got pretty good at it, and we were on a bit of a run. And, uh, and during our uh, sort of series of watching different movies, we've watched some, like, really good movies uh, and watched some really, really bad movies. Um, and, uh, but there's a bit of a running joke because even if it's a really bad movie, if there's just any moment of love expressed through kindness... I lose it. I literally can't not cry. It's like I'm crying. The kids are looking at me like, what is she going on about? Why is she crying? And it could be like Mickey Mouse, like being kind to Dumbo. It's like that crazy. It's like the act of kindness. It just moves me so powerfully. Or have you had those moments when, you know, you're, uh, perhaps you're having a bad day and you're on edge or whatever, and someone loves you, expresses love through kindness, and you're unraveled. You know, you, you cry. You may be in a supermarket, and you're, like, really, really stressed, and someone just offers kindness. I'm, I, I have experienced, like, oh, thank you so much for your kindness. It, it moves us. Or have you been, like, um, anxious or, uh, or, or sort of you know that you're about to sort of lose it, and you might say to somebody who you know is kind, don't be kind, don't be kind, don't be kind, because you know that if they're kind, you're going to lose it. You know, acts of love are powerful. Acts of love are powerful because love is powerful. We're in a series, as you know, we're in a love series. Uh, And last week, uh, Mark and Amy, they introduced the series speaking about love, the love of God and being loved by him. And this week, we are going to be looking specifically at loving each other. And, uh, And we have, as we read, we have been commanded by God to love each other. And John Jesus says in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. And, uh, and if you go through the readings, we read 1 John 4, 13 as well. And what we see in this particular reading is it gives us further insights, I believe, on what it means to love one another. So we're actually going to take our, we're going to take a journey through the passage. So if you have your Bible, keep it open um, and we're going to uh, have a little gander through. So the first insight then that we gain from this passage when it comes to loving one another is to love others starts by knowing God because God is love. We spoke about this a little bit last week, but it's always worth a recap when talking about God's love. You know, our text begins with the affirmation that love comes from God. Verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 
I mean, that's strong words. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Love comes from God because it is his ultimate and essential expression of his inner identity. Love is who God is. It is his essence. And Mark spoke last week about this relationship, this love relationship with the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which we are invited into. If you missed, go and catch up um, online. You can listen to uh, what he said about that uh, if you go uh, on our Spotify. (laughs) So this means then that if we want to know more about love, we need to know more about God. They are one and the same. And John isn't writing about a head knowledge simply knowing information about God, but an intimate knowing. This is an intimate knowing, a heartfelt understanding and experience of God's love. And so one of the questions this morning then is, do you know love? How's your love life? Have you experienced, encountered, been filled with his transforming love? Have you accepted him into your life, his grace, his mercy and kindness? You know, when we speak of God's glory, his essence, when we, when we read about it in the scriptures, it's put like this, God is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This is who God is. This is who he is. And John writes, as we continue on our scripture, he writes in verse nine, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. The ultimate way then we get to know God's love is through the cross of Jesus. When we accept Jesus into our lives, we are then filled with his spirit, which then makes this love real to us. We simply receive him. You know, perhaps you're sitting here and you've never invited God into your life. You've never invited this love into your life. There is never a better time than right now. Or perhaps you've forgotten who he is. Perhaps you've doubted what I've just read about who God is. I encourage you to meditate on the cross. Meditate on what Jesus has done for us, which is his ultimate sign of love. If you ever doubt it, go back to the cross. I think sometimes, you know, when we do a a series like this or when we talk about love, you know, it's banded around, isn't it, in the church, it can feel trite sometimes, can't it? It's like, oh, they're doing a love series. Fluffy. Who thought that? Really, honestly. No. Uh, But it can, you know, we've sort of watered it down somehow. But love is so powerful. The love of God, receiving the love of God in your life is so powerful. It changes us. His love has changed me. Love transforms. 
It stops us in our tracks. It tenderizes us. It heals us. And then once we receive him, we are to rely. A bit like what Kate was saying earlier. We hadn't even chatted. But then we are to rely on it. John says, verse 16, rely on the love God has for us. Saturate yourself in his love. Speak his love over yourself every single day that you are chosen, called by name, that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Rely, stand on it. It will change you. Okay, more than I probably wanted to say, but first insight then is loving others is a response. It's a response to the love we have received in Christ by his spirit. It's this way around. We don't conjure love up. We receive him. We receive love, and it enables us to love others. Okay, why does it matter then? Why does it matter? Why are we commanded to love each other? Here's why, and I'm going to spend the rest of the time talking about this. Because loving others reveals God in the world. Loving others reveals God in the world. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. When we love others, we show God in the world. Jesus says, you will know my disciples by how they love each other. This is to say, you will know my disciples when they love each other because I'm there. Because God is present. And so how do we know what love looks like in practice? We look at Jesus' example. Self-sacrificial love. Giving his life for us. And so when we serve others, when we practice costly, sacrificial life, love, we can be sure that God is there. We can be 100% sure that God is there. If you want to see God, go love someone. If you want more of God in your life, go sacrificially give your life to somebody else. Go serve. Put others before yourself. You know, it can be easy to think, oh, go love one another like a good little girl and boy, you know, because that's what we're meant to do. As though sort of loving each other was just sort of a nice thing, like a nicety. But as I said, love is powerful. And we are the agents of God's power when we love each other. What a vision! What an unbelievable vision for loving others. An opportunity to see God. God changes us. And then we get to be the agents of change in the world by how we love each other. This is why we're so moved by kindness. You know, even saying, you know, thank you to Henrietta, it moves us, doesn't it? Because he's the Lord of love. It's powerful. And you know, I've been, uh, I've been the recipient 
of encouragement over my life, over my Christian journey, a recipient of encouragement, you know, people cheering me on, sacrificial generosity. Johnny and I have experienced unbelievable generosity from our brothers and sisters, acts of kindness, friends reminding me who I am, people praying for me, even at the, at, before the, I came up to preach, you know, Beautiful mothers in Christ coming to pray words of affirmation and courage into me. This means that in these acts, God has been present and is working through it to enable us, enable me to continue to become all that God has called me to be. I wouldn't be here without it. I wouldn't be here without it. And all of it has been the power of of love in these acts. And the most compelling thing is we get to do that for each other. We get the opportunity to do that for each other. We were at a conference the last couple of days or last week, and, uh, and Pete Gregg was leading this sort of leaders thing. Um, and he, he basically sort of, as part of introduction, just sort of spouted this goal. And I was like, that's good. So I wrote it down. And he, he basically was talking about friendship and, uh, and the power of friendship. And he said this line. He said, friendship is a weapon of warfare. It enables people to step into their anointing for the sake of the kingdom. Boom. I was like, that will preach. And he then said this throwaway line. He said, could Jesus have achieved all that he did without the disciples? What an amazing thought. We get to be that for each other. We get to see and cheer on kingdom dreams in each other. We have the opportunity to see the person next to us step into the anointing that God has for them. Uh, Rick Warren, Johnny and I were listening to him do some teaching, and, uh, and he was saying that as part of a practice in his daily life, is every single day he picks up the phone and encourages somebody. Uh, and he says in the first 30 seconds, the encouragement is done. It's like in the first 30 seconds of the phone call, there's a shift. The person's encouraged and he's filled. It's like so powerful. I'm going uh, to take that on myself. We have uh, people within our congregation. I mean, you are so kind. I am like seriously preaching to the choir here. But we have people in our uh, congregation, like Miles. Who's received a, a love letter from Miles? Yes, probably lots of... He basically just looks around and chooses people to write a little note of encouragement to. And he prays about it. And in these notes, it's like encouragement, it's prophetic, it's thoughtful. I mean, Johnny and I have got a little pile of Miles love letters. <laughs> but they've meant so much to us, so much to us. They've moved us. They've fueled us. Because God's in them. Because God's in them. It's a letter from God. Where there's love, there is God. There is power and there's transformation. Are you getting my vibe? Are you getting my gist? <laughs> and if God then reveals himself when we love each other, it must be, it must be that those who suffer for another see God 
in a particularly special way. I was, uh, I'll always remember my sister, um, who I'm obviously a great fan of, but the weeks after, uh, she adopted a baby. And, uh, and for many, many sad reasons, um, the first couple of months of, um, of her baby's life, she would really, really struggle to sleep. And she would scream, like scream all night. And so they were getting like no sleep at all. And, uh, and I would call her up and I said, I said Rachel, you know, how, are you, how are you coping? You know, how, are you, how are you doing with it all? And, uh, and sort of talking particularly about how hard it must be in the night with no sleep. And I will never forget what she said. But she said to me, it's funny because in the night is when I feel God's pleasure the most. <laughs> in the most costly act of sacrificial love is actually where I feel his pleasure the most. This is the upside down kingdom. This is where it's at. We ask, Lord, more of you, more of you. It's like, go give yourself to somebody then. (laughs) Then you'll see me. Such a challenge to me. I am so challenged even sharing this with you. You know, in a culture that entices us constantly to put ourselves first. How can I give of myself more to gain more of Christ? That's what I'm asking myself. How can I give more of myself that God's glory might be displayed in the church and the world? Okay, so it's easy, isn't it? Let's go change the world and love each other. Uh, It's not quite as easy as that, is it? We read in verse 18, John says, there is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. But perfect love dries out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Who here is perfect in love? (laughs) Good answer. Always Jesus. Well done, Jesus. Yes. None of us. Who here is completely full of his love? None of us. We know, don't we, that there are significant obstacles to this. There are significant obstacles. And the text names one in particular. And it only needs to name one. Because it's the root cause of all our issues in love. The Bible says the opposite of love is always fear. Fear holds us back from loving others. And when the Bible uses the word fear, it's not only talking about the heavy weight of anxiety, that sort of scared feeling we feel sometimes pushing on our chest, but a fear that manifests itself in lots of different ways. And here are some, especially when we're talking about loving one another. Because I think sometimes we can think fear is about feeling fear, but actually the obstacles manifest themselves in ways that get in the way of us loving each other. For example, comparison. Comparison. All of us experience it difficult sometimes to cheer each other on, to, to, to really encourage someone around us, especially if we're really honest, they're sort of good at the same things as us. You know, this is fear. This is a manifestation of fear. 
Because it's rooted in the lie that we're not good enough. Perhaps it's dependence upon human affirmation, placing people on pedestals. We can't fully love wholly because we're bending our actions to seek someone's approval. Is that love at all? That's based in fear. Competition, not believing that there's enough for me and the person next to me. Jealousy and envy, it's the same thing. It's a fear of like, God, I'm not sure you've got enough for us all, so I'm going to grasp and I'm going to push down those around me. It's fear. Unforgiveness, bitterness, judgment. It's like we're, it's it's sort of rooted in that idea that God doesn't really know what he's doing. I'm really the judge of my life and everybody else's because I'm not fully sure that he has got it under control. Again, it's a fear or controlling others around us. It keeps us safe, doesn't it, when everyone's in control around us. Fear is underneath all of these manifestations which then tear apart relationships and therefore get in the way of loving others. The good news is, is that there is mercy. There is mercy. When we recognize these things, we all have them and we will all be dealing with them until we are in eternity with Jesus. This is a lifelong journey because we are sinful human beings who are not completely loved. When we recognize these things in our lives, it's an invitation for more of God's love to be made complete within us. You know, the enemy wants us to feel those things, like, oh, I'm really, I'm comparing, or I'm, you know, and want us to, wants us to hide them. Because actually, when we say, Lord, I am so jealous of this person, I am majorly competing with this person, I am struggling to cheer this person on, when we bring it to God and say, Lord, I am, I'm living in fear, saturate me with my love. The enemy wants to keep us hidden and in shame in that stuff because we don't receive more of God's love. So these aren't condemning things. These are opportunities to receive more of his love where fear is manifesting. So what then? What's the end? We could change the world with this love. (laughs) We could change the world if we go and love one another, if we learn to love one another, we will live in a different world. And I guess the question is then, so where do you need to allow God to work within the fear in you and in me? Where is that being prodded at the moment? Where is there room for more of God's love to penetrate that area of my life? Where am I not made perfect in love? Let's do the work because we're commanded to love one another. And I leave you with this challenge, which is a bit of a challenge. (laughs) But Jesus says, you'll know my disciples by how they love each other. If Jesus came to Trinity Church in Nottingham, would he find disciples? I think he would. (laughs) But let's ask. That's the challenge. 
of this, of this scripture. To know God is to love. Let's stand. Caleb, would you come and do your beautiful tinkling for me? Your prophetic piano. So why don't you just put out your hands uh, in front of you, just as a, I don't know, just a way of saying, Lord, I'm here, I'm available, I want more of your love in my life. So come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Reveal to us where we are fearing. Testify that.